0: You're listening to 101.5 UMFM. I'm one of your hosts, Sandy Boutgren, and today we are interviewing author slash writer Tasha Spillett about her book, Surviving the City. The first question is going to go to Mercy.
1: So, Tasha, when you were writing your first book, were you planning on writing two books? Thanks for the question, Mercy. So, I Originally, when I got approached to write Surviving the City, it was just for, I was just uh, contracted or commissioned to do the one book. The reception of the first book was so positive that they wanted to make it a series. And so I've been commissioned to do two others. So From the Roots Up is the second. And then the third, which is not written yet, (laughs) um, will be the last one in this series. So so yeah, at first it was just to do the one and I wasn't expecting to do more, but I was excited to take on the project and to kind of, I guess, give the characters more life and to carry on the story into a second and third volume. Thank you, Tasha. Oh, you're welcome. It was.
2: Yes. So Tasha, in the process of writing the first one, what does being published or what is the process of being published look like?
1: I feel like I have a kind of unusual relationship or I guess entrance into the kind of book deal world because the publishing house here in Winnipeg came came knocking at my door they came to me and they were like we want you to write something like write whatever you want and we're gonna publish it um that really I wish more people had that experience especially in the way that Uh, I wish more people were supported to write the stories that they want to write in the ways that they wanted to write it without knowing, like without having huge editorial processes kind of like change or adapt whatever they're contributing. For the books, anyways, that was my entrance into being published. And so I got lucky because my first home in the publishing world is with High Water Press and it's run by some really um, incredible women. And so they, they have really, uh, I guess, walked beside me through navigating this process. And then I started to build a little bit of a team. So I hired a literary agent. Her name was Jackie Kaiser, and she's kind of like a badass in the uh, literary world. And so she has really opened many doors that I wouldn't have been able to open for myself. And so that's another thing I wish didn't happen. I wish we could all bust down the doors, every door we wanted to, that was in front of us ourselves. But sometimes we need to, we need the support of other people who have different skill sets to get those doors open for us. And so Jackie is that person for me right now. And she's been doing a phenomenal job at introducing me to different people, to different publishing houses and finding the right place for the story. Um, And so now I have agreements with two other publishing houses. The the second one is Little Brown Books out of the US and then um, now with Owl Books. And so it's important that each story find its right home. Um, and for me, it's really, it's a very personal thing. It's about the sense I get from talking to the editor. and is that editor going to have the will and the ability to protect the integrity of the story? Or is this editor kind of going to um, push maybe their own agenda and, ter- and turn the story into something that they think is marketable? Like I'm not at the stage in my career yet where, like I still have to kind of, um, I guess, be a little bit careful in terms of the home and the homes that the stories arrive at. Yeah, I hope that answered your question. It did. Thank you.
0: Awesome. So I was just wondering, is like, like working with the editor, like some days it'll be like, oh, this is like on fire. And then some days we'll be like, that was pretty good. Or that was okay.
1: Yeah. Well, with editors, like I've been lucky so far and the editors that I have um, partnered with, they kind of just like, um, like they don't interfere too much in my creative process, which is really, which is really helpful. Like they do things like, Hey, Tasha, like, uh, what do you think about swapping out this word for that word? But nothing about the like actual story. So I'm glad that that hasn't happened yet. There was one. Um, sometimes it gets tricky when you're writing really culturally specific things, especially when you're working with like people outside of your cultural group who like have absolutely no bearing on what like what you're talking about. So I'll give you an example. So my next, my, one of the titles that I have coming is called, well, the original title that I wrote it, wrote for it was Medicine Bundle Baby. So referring to the bundles in which we keep our sacred items, like our traditional medicines and, you know, like our pipes, our drums and rattles, um, and the idea of that bundle or a baby encompassing all like the beautiful teachings um, that our medicine bundles do. And so, of course, like working with a white editor, she was like kind of like she had a real hang up on that word medicine, because for her in her cult, like in her, I guess, like settler mind, medicine was like something you take only something you take when you're sick. And like there was no like positive kind of like um, understandings about like how medicines are like, you know they help us and they're beautiful. It was like all very negative and so we couldn't get past that me and her and so is this something that I'm going to like dig my heels in about or is this something that I can get over to like let the story grow? And so we came up with a different title for that. It's going to be called I Sang You Down From the Stars. And so it's still it's still like a powerful title, but it was a, it was like I'm kind of like, a, like, I'm a resistor by nature. And so kind of had a hard time with that. Like, no, like this is, these are our medicine bundles and this is what it means. But I also wanted to make sure that the story got to live a full and beautiful life outside of my head. And so to be able to give it that chance, I made like, I had to be a little bit flexible. And so for editors, yeah, there are days where it's like, you, it flows and it's like, you know, you're kind of, as if that person were in your mind a bit and you're like, okay, like we're on track and it feels good. But then like, especially when I have been work like in my work with illustrators, sometimes there's like the picture in your head is not the picture in their head. And so like the approach that I've ad- adopted for that is my, like my gift is writing the story and their gift is drawing the images and I'm going to stay out of their way and they're going to stay out of mine. And like, we're going to respect each other's uh, gifts. And so I haven't, I you know, like check in with one another. So it all like kind of becomes cohesive. But for the most part, I haven't tried to interfere with that, that other artist in, in, in their work. And so that's worked, worked for us so far. But yeah, some days it works and then some days they're like, okay, and this person is not getting me. How are we going to come together? And like, I think sometimes you just got to, and this is something that my husband, who's actually sitting here, everyone, there he is, Leonard Sumner. (laughs) That's something that um, he has taught me is sometimes sometimes you have to give things space. And so just step away from each other for a little while and see how... um, And just see what that time, that time gives you.
2: That's such a great take on that. Um, You talked a little bit about being a resistor by nature. So outside of the world of being an author and a writer and academic, like you're also like a really amazing activist. Um, In reading Surviving the City, volume two, uh, we got introduced to a character called Riel. And we got to like see his character develop. How much has your activism influenced the development of that character?
1: I love, I love that character, Riel. And interesting enough, today is, um, is the anniversary of the execution of Louis Riel, like one of the resistors in this province history, history. So, um, and aside, I was also very nervous to write a male character. Riel his story is going to come out a lot a lot more in the next volume so you got a taste of his story like his family mem- member was murdered by the rcmp and so that's going to come out more in the next volume but um yeah there's little pieces of people that i know and love in every character and so Riel's character he's like he's up he's gonna push back and he is gonna um ruffle some feathers and his character is interesting because in this and from the roots up his character is you know pretty um he's a resistor but he's loving about it you know like when he is trying to make space for Dez where there is no space um so he's pretty firm about it but he does it in a from a place of love. So he's not coming out and he just to starch it to starch it. He's coming out just to make, make sure that people are safe and well. And so uh, that's kind of like the approach that I take to the work that I do. But uh, yeah, that Riel, I'm glad you noticed that, that Riel, he's, He's gonna be a little bit of a um, like a fire starter, I guess, in terms of some things for the next volume and some of the, like the main theme for the next volume, which is another another example, Sonny, of like what you brought up about working with an editor. Because I wasn't sure how this was gonna be received. Is I I really want to talk about um, police violence and I really want to uh, talk about you know what we know, black and brown, especially youth. Face in terms of the of the violence perpetrated by uh, by the state and the police, and so that's going to be the main focus for the next the final volume of this series.
0: Uh, awesome, yeah, I really enjoyed reading the um, the graphic novel. Uh, I kept saying comic book day, and my mom kept correcting me. Uh so I've been like super like aware of saying the word graphic novel right now. But uh yeah, I was I really liked uh reading the graphic novel. And I, I think that's an awesome topic of like uh being two spirit and like finding a way um in ceremony. One of my questions was, do you think there's a way of of um being connected with ceremony in a way that's like in in more of like a, in a maintenance way something where um i yeah you can do sort of like the 20 minutes of meditation a day but because st- especially with covid right now a eh, it's you can't gather in large groups so i'm uh, just wondering what that would look like
1: yeah oh. this is a great question um because like if you had asked me this question maybe 10 years ago i would have said you know ceremony happens at a specific place with these specific people and you go and then you you do these specific things and I was like pretty rigid about it I guess like I thought you know ceremony are sun dances and sweat launches and shake tents and like they look this particular way but like as I've grown older um like I've come to understand ceremony as way more personal and individual and not so much about, I guess, the performance or um, the structure of things. And so I think that that spiritual maintenance may be the most important way to practice spirituality. And it is in those, you know, very intimate moments that, that we find our connection, and so, like, I pray all the time, like all throughout the day. Like, I feel like I have an ongoing conversation, I guess, with with Creator or however, like however, how I understand Creator, and so that, like that, to look looks to me, it's not like okay, I'm going to this fire, I'm at this specific place, and I'm going to take these specific things. For me, it's just like those quiet moments where I'm like you know, like, actually, when I was just putting my baby to sleep, I was, like, holding her, and I was, like, please, like, help this baby sleep, you know, help this baby sleep, like, anyone, like, her ancestors, like, help her have a restful sleep, and that, that ceremony to me, like, that, like, that quiet in the dark with my girl, like, having these intentions for her, and so, I think that it is like those those quiet moments for ourselves like and we get these signs right like we get these signs from spirit all the time like I'm a a big believer in signs and so it could be like you you're struggling with something you're holding something in your heart and then like a specific song comes on or and you're just like okay like like something about that song triggers like a sense of awareness for you and I think that it's like when you, we become more aware of these things and we see them a lot more frequently. Um, but that that too is ceremony, definitely.
2: Um, in reading your story and investigating the role of tradition and keeping um, the spirit of love or the teachings of love open, of conducting ourselves and our ceremony ceremony in a way that's inclusive for everybody, why did you feel it was important to include uh, a two-spirit lens in this story or have this focus on being two-spirited?
1: And so just like in transparency, like I struggled with this because I myself am not two-spirit, but I love so many people who have been turned away from ceremonies Um, And I always think like we have to use every ounce of um, like privilege that we do have to make things better for other people. And so I come from like a fairly large ceremony uh, family, a family that has like a little bit of influence in this like ceremonial um, community. And so like I, what we know is that when people are pushed outside of our circles they become more um, vulnerable to things like suicide to to violences of all kinds and so i wanted to use the little the little platform that i have to write a world in which we like in which our two-spirit relatives are more safe and they're in the positions that they should be in which are positions of valued and valued and loved in our communities and so, um, Des is a character that I've seen time and again in different ways, um, especially in the youth that I've worked that I've worked worked with, um, young people that have been turned away from their birthright of being able to feel loved and protected in these circles, but because of the way we've ingested colonialism, or been forced to ingest colonialism, have have been turned away from what is theirs by birth, by birthright. And so um, it was really important to me. I kind of got over myself and the like the fear that I had of writing these characters just um, and accepted my, you know, my responsibility as a relative to ensure that these conversations are happening Um, and to be able to do that in the best way possible. I worked with um, a two spirit elder, uh, Albert McLeod. And he guided those very specific, those very specific moments in the book, like Des is coming out. Other times in the book, um, and he was really influential at making sure that that content was respectful to his community. And so i really am thankful for that.
2: I'm glad that it was such an informed uh, practice and informed delivery. Thank you for um, acknowledging. What it takes to like battle like the internalized colonialism within our own communities within our own selves within our own circles is very powerful so shout out to raquel um one of our after school leaders for that question i'll turn it over to mercy for our closing question oh uh, tasha i was just wondering you got a really lucky opportunity in how you started off your career. What up? Uh, what do you think other starting writers that don't have those kind of opportunities could do to really get started in their writing author career?
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So some of the things that I think is to read everything. Read everything you 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 can. Um. Different different styles of writing. Um. Things that you might think that you might not connect with. Um, and then uh, ask ask for help, like get a mentor. I still get mentors. Like, so I still um, rely heavily on mentors of people who have been writing way longer than I have or way more than I have. And then there are like specific opportunities to have your writing supported. Like um, there's different arts, arts council grants um, for younger people, um, writing awards through schools uh so there there's different ways and different avenues to kind of um attach yourself to some resources to be able to support writing and then there are communities of writers so especially for black um, like BIPOC communities there are different like outside of any formal organizations communities of writers and I think that you know especially for like um for BIPOC authors like we know it's tough And um, I feel like if a young writer were to reach out to a mentor, they would be able, they would want to share some of their time. I mean, they, they might not like fully commit until, you know, full time time, but they would I'm sure would be willing to share some of their time to support a young like up and coming author and then just to be fearless I think that that's one of the things like a lot of time we get in our own way and we get in our own heads about things like my writing isn't good enough nobody will want to read this first and foremost a writer should write for themselves um, to move through any thoughts or emotions that they have and then I'm and then that those words will find the appropriate audience. So I think just the fearlessness to get it from your head onto the page is like one of the, like the first and most important step.
2: No, thank you. That is such good advice. <laughs> as, a, as a writer, as a poet, like it's so easy to get stuck in your own head. Like, would anyone even want to hear this? And so it, it's nice hearing that, that fearlessness is integral to, to the process. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, Once again, Again, listen to one hundred one point five Broken Headphones uh, with our guest Tasha Split. My name is Sapphire McLeod, and we're here with your co, with my co-host Osani Bokaran. Um, Thank you so much for being here and being part of this interview, and for giving us your time, Tasha.
1: Well, thank um, you to you all. That was a really beautiful conversation. This is actually. Um, one of the best interviews, second to the last interview I did with you all. So thank you for that.
2: No worries. I'm so glad. Is there anything that viewers or listeners should be looking out for when it comes to your works?
1: I have a website. It's brand spanking new. So it's just Tasha Um, dot com. And I'll be sharing just some like blog style posts on there and just like writing uh, updates on my writing, like upcoming titles so people can find me there or on socials which are all just on my my name too, Tasha Spillet. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you everyone. Take care.